Landy, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. We've spent a couple of days over here doing some video shoots with you for X Factor Roping. So, man, thank you for, for doing all of that. Oh, I really you're, appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm happy you guys came out. Well, man, first of all, let's talk about growing up in California. What, like, what's been, what's that kind of been like coming, you know, growing up and kind of getting into the, the your horse program over here? Oh, it's been, uh, it was really good. I think coming up, not probably a lot different than Texas and everywhere else. But when I was young, growing up here, there were still a lot of horse trainers out here, cow horse and cutters, kind of before everybody started moving back to to Texas and stuff, and even ropers. Um, when I was younger, where there was quite a few more out here, right. and so it was kind of at Darnshire in the last 10, 15 years, a lot of people have moved out um, since then. But but yeah, growing up, it was a great place to be, kind of in the middle of everything. Well, I mean, it's the prettiest country here, right? Like that's, yep. that's the thing. There's a lot of people here, but man, it's yeah. really pretty. It's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people here. But yeah, we're like oh, 14, 15 miles from the coast, so it's especially this area. It's pretty cool. Um, we don't get too hot. You get over the hill, and then it gets into the hundreds and stuff. But but here it's pretty mild weather. So right. So well, man, when you know, is you what kind of gets you into the like your background? Like, give me that a little bit as far as into horses, into training. Like, you know, in, in your philosophy on that. Like, what kind of influenced you? Yeah, I think probably coming up, my mom showed when she was younger, and then she kind of got all out of it when she got older. But uh, when we were young, my we have a ranch and rent some cows, my dad did, and and so my mom wanted us to kind of be able to learn how to ride good and, and kind of, it's pretty steep and kind of brushy country around here, so she wanted us to be able to have a good foundation of riding and, and handling a horse um, so we didn't get hurt out there in the hills helping my dad, and then it kind of just blossomed from there. We went to a horse trainer uh, by the name of Ramona Coke when I was like eight and started riding with her, and uh, she was getting into the cow horse, and so we kind of started kind of getting into the cow horse a little bit through uh, before high school and uh, when I got into high school I uh, met up with Les Oswalt and that's where I kind of started team roping there when I was started freshman in high school okay and so I was 13 14 and then it kind of just went from there got the bug got the team roping bug right so okay so you know through your high school years you know you've so you've got a, a cow horse kind of foundation with your riding and your horsemanship and mm -hmm. then you get you're starting to get exposed to the team roping and really enjoy the the team roping side of it. So, yep. at what point are you like wanting to make this into a career? You know, is that when did that kind of start becoming like something? Like fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. And I think um, so. All the horses that we have that I learned to rope on too. We we didn't have enough money to buy buy like finished rope horses and stuff. We had ranch horses and the couple of the lower level cow horses that we had. They were low level. Um, bridle horse and stuff, but we kind of just went to rope it on those, and I think we sent them to Les for a month just to kind of get somewhat of a pattern out of the box on them, and then we just went to went to roping on them, and so kind of learning how to ride the horse and train the horse as well as learning how to rope, I think kind of helped maybe build a little bit of a style that I always kind of kind of ride for the horse a little bit. You know, I never completely overexposed my the horse. Um, I was always kind of had it in the back of my mind to think about what I was doing to make the horse do what it was doing. Right. And uh, and I didn't high school rodeo. Um, Les was getting into the, he just quit rodeoing at the time and uh, started getting into the AQHA shows a lot. And so uh, I'd kind of just go with him and show him the youth and stuff. And, and then so that probably helped maybe a little bit too, not having to worry about being fast. It was all about just catching and being smooth. Right. Yeah. So you're, you know, as you're starting to compete, it's, it's more yeah. or less, it's, it's kind of the show 
you know, is the yep. kind of your first experiences in competition. Right? Yep, definitely. And, and I dabbled in jackpotting and stuff too. Yeah. For sure. Um, on the early years. Um, but, but yeah, definitely the shows were kind of the main place we went with them. So. Okay, so, you know, obviously getting, you know, you at that age you're thinking, hey, this is what I want to do, which is, mm -hmm. that's probably unique in itself that you find that. When did you kind of start going, like, what was the path, you know, did you ride underneath someone for a while, or, you know, when did you kind of, how do you get to the point where you're at now? Well, so I guess I rode for Les for, ooh, I, well, I rode with Les um, for like three or four years through high school, and then last couple years of high school I worked for him. Um, and right after high school, I went to work for about two years for him, um, full time. And then, uh, and then after, uh, and then also I think a big influence is uh, just being around a lot of the cow horse trainers around here as well, since he was showing and stuff. And then uh, my good friend Justin Wright, uh, Wright's Quarter Horses, he, uh, he lived right down the road. He's my best friend and he, we rode together a lot growing up, all the time. And so I kind of learned so much from him. He's, he's a freak when it comes to riding horses and he right. can do anything with a horse so it's it was it was really neat to kind of ride grow up with someone like that and so I think Les Darncher taught me so much about roping and stuff but also outside influences from everybody else really help kind of the help with everything you know yeah do you think that's a one of the more important things that to help advance your horsemanship and, and your roping is kind of constantly being around people that are doing it professionally, and then also, like, your peers that might be the same age as you, right? That oh, yeah. that are better, like, probably yep. better or more experienced, right? Was that? Oh, do yeah. you think that was a big thing? Oh, huge, of... huge thing, and and I think it's times have changed so much um, that like people help each other now. You know, all the horse trainers are helping each other. All the rope horse trainers are helping each other. Um, you know, you, I feel like kind of back. I think before I was really coming on I think a lot of people were a little closed off when they had little secret training secrets and stuff they didn't try to tell everybody else you know and and I feel like now everybody's kind of helping everybody and trying to better their sport through that yeah. and that's made a huge difference um, and I said I talked to Justin all the time and he's getting raining lessons from Andre Fapani and cutting lessons from Morgan Cromer and all these other people and not not to mention all the his fellow cow horse guys um, you know they're all they're all sharing stuff and and uh, and so I think it's darn sure in all aspects I think people are real open about right. about training and riding and and bettering horses and bettering sport you know and that's made a huge a huge difference and stuff like this too X Factor and everybody you know getting new ideas and little little things out there that people can can use and apply to their program yeah because just just because you do something doesn't mean it's going to work for me but there's maybe one little piece of that that I could take it's going to change my right my whole aspect of and that, that kind of the humility to constantly like refine it and maybe like okay well yep. i might not be these you know i might be weak in some areas or you know oh, yeah. or you kind of like start looking for that and i think that's that's it's hard to get to that spot right but oh, if yeah. you, you know if you kind of do it early then it kind of becomes a habit and it's not not such a big deal and i think oh, that's, definitely that's got to be real important i think it's too fine a fine line because you have to be confident in your training too yeah i think there's a lot of people that ride horses really good and could train a horse they're maybe just not confident in in what they're doing and if they're doing it right and and it takes time to develop that because you might be doing something on a horse and it's not going to happen today and it might not happen tomorrow, it might not happen next week, it might happen months from now where it really comes through. Right. And so you have to, 
you have to be open to new things, but you also have to be confident in your training program and what you're doing and have done it enough on enough horses that you're, you're confident in the end that it's, it's going to work on this horse, you know, and, and that's also frustrating sometimes when it doesn't work. You do the same thing for months thinking it's going to turn out and then it doesn't, you know, so it's a, it's definitely a balance of being, having humility about that and learning new things and being open to it, but then also being confident in, in, in your program and what you're doing, you know, because a guy can get caught doing a lot of other things and right. go, go down, go down a rabbit hole and, <laughs> and lose a lot of time and a lot of ground on a horse too, so. It's what, definitely a balance. What about that as far as the mentality when you're training? You know, to be able to to not be upset, to be pretty even, and then be pretty patient. What, yeah. I feel like that's something you have. And <laughs> is that, was that always there, or is that something you had to work on? Yeah, I, don't, I think I'm a pretty just patient person just kind of naturally, so I think that probably helped a little bit, you know. And, and I think it's a, a lot of things have been taught just through through riding with people and and little things you know that have helped me a lot too and and understand it's pretty special what you do on horses really yeah you know i mean it's wild animal that's letting us do all ride them and put a piece of metal in their mouth and and pull on it and expect them to do all this cool stuff you know it's i think you guy kind of looks at the bigger picture of it and sometimes and it'll kind of bring you back to reality a little bit when you're frustrated on on little things um too and yeah that's I think that's really important, the big picture, because yep. you know, you're talking about controlling feet in certain directions and, and yep. ribs and hips and stuff like that with, with little cues. And yep. yeah, it's, it's a really. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive they let you do it, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So out of high school, you know, you've kind of you've worked underneath a few guys, you've been around it quite a bit. At what stage um, did you feel like, hey, I'm, I kind of want to step out on my own and kind of get, get doing your, your own deal? Uh, it was about, I guess, 19, I kind of, I don't know, I was pretty, I was tired, less is, less, he's hardcore. Yeah. It's, it's six, seven days a week, all day, every day, you're on a horse at seven in the morning, you're off when it gets dark, like he's, he's tough. Right. And he's, and he's good to work, but he, but he's tough, like, and he's out there with you, and he's, he's a beast. Yeah. And uh, I was tired, I was worn out, like I didn't have anything left, and, and so I took a year off. Uh, went down to Cuesta, um, down San Luis Obispo, and I didn't, I didn't go to school much, but, but I took a year off mostly and, and just kind of relaxed and then uh, decided I was done jacking around and came home and, and kind of started setting up shop and, and took in some outside horses and, and that was when I was 20, I guess, so that kind of started then. So, all right, well, let's take me through like a typical week. Like, you're at, like let's say you're at home. Mm -hmm. Give me your... What, what a normal week of riding and training looks like for you? Um, I guess I got, I got a little different program as far as, um, you know, different from lessons and seen a lot of other programs. And, um, and so I, I, I tell everybody I ride five days a week. I ride Monday, Monday through Friday, and the weekends are mine. I might ride on the weekends, but I don't, I don't plan on it. I usually plan on going jackpot or doing something on the weekends. So, uh, but Mondays are usually spent... Um, Getting horses rode down. They've had a couple of days off. Um, uh, both places I train out of, we have a uh, thousand acres to ride out on. So I'll ride the horses down the hills quite a bit. Um, maybe pull them around the arena a little bit, and then uh, just kind of get them a good easy day. Get them tired. Get them in the right mind frame uh, to where Tuesday through Friday we can kind of do whatever needs to be done on them. You know, I kind of got a 
wide range, wide variety of horses going in different directions. So then kind of just plan the week out through then right. of what each horse needs and where to go with them. So, And then, uh, so it's like over here, you've, you've got two places that you're kind of riding out of. And the one, you've got younger horses, right? So yep. the mornings, it's you start at 7.30. Is that what it is usually? Yep. About right around 7.30. Yep, about 7.30 I get there and kind of get going. And Okay. And, and you obviously got a few guys kind of helping, saddling, making sure that you can kind of just get on and ride. Yep. But it's 7.30, and, and how many do you usually ride over there at that place? Um, like I said, it kind of varies. I got I got a kid that works for me that does a really good job riding two-year-olds, and he, so he's got a kind of string of two-year-olds to start and a couple other ones that are rough ones that right. he gets to ride that I don't want to ride, um, at least kind of first couple weeks on them. <laughs> and uh, so we got him to kind of get the... Uh, he's got his own little string, and then I have another uh, gal, Haley Kennedy, that she kind of helps me saddle and get stuff ready for me, and and um, and it's oh I don't even know how many get through over there. I'm gonna say between ten and fifteen. Okay. Um, depending on kind of how many I got right. at the time, younger horses I got at the time. Um, yeah. And it's a pretty good program. She's Haley's been with me for three years now, I think. And she grew up around here, and she's real good at having horses ready to go. And and uh, and then we'll have kind of other kids in and out too, helping as well, washing and putting horses away and doing stuff too. So trying to make sure the efficiency's there, so you're that's, not walking that's around key. like saddling and doing stuff. Like you can literally do. Yeah. You can work as much as possible, but ride as much as possible. Yep. Is kind of what you're you're trying and to get out of that. And that's the key. If if people really, you know, timed out how long it took to go catch a horse out of the pen, bring it up, saddle it maybe trot it around a little bit and then and then I'll get on it, ride it, hand it off, and then the time they take to put it away, unsaddle it, rinse it off, tie it up, put it away. That's a lot of lot of extra time. So if you take that time away and which is Haley and the other girls, they they make up that time for me where I can just spend the time riding them and doing stuff and 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 it just expedites the process a lot. Right. And you can kind of ride a lot more and spend more time on them in those, in those areas, you know, for me. So. Well, absolutely. And then, and then you come over here, um, yep. another place, probably five, ten miles down the road. <laughs> yep. And kind of start getting on the rope horses right over, just after lunch or something like that. Yep. Is that yeah, we usually grab lunch kind of on the way. It's usually, it somehow always kind of works out where it's right about lunchtime. We can get through the horses over there in the morning and then grab lunch on the way here and get here and, and go to work on the rope horses, get everything saddled and and get steers in and, and go to roping. Um, and, and it's same type of deal, right? Like it's, you know, you've got a lot of help over here, horses being brought up, like, yep. you, you know, even you talk about, like the, what's your theory on like the, the head horses, like letting your ropes oh, yeah. kind of drag? And oh yeah, and, and I think it even starts maybe even, uh, you know, warm up on them too. Um, I kind of, I've done, the fraternities have gotten big definitely for now, right now, and, uh, but my main um, folk, focus or horses that I get were just jackpot horses from local ones and stuff um, and so I think it was important for a lot of those horses not to be trained on too much warming up because the owner's not going to do that right um, so it worked out good to have my help they just lope lope don't pull on them don't pick on them don't do nothing just lope them down and then let me go to roping on them and then if they need scoot on them, then I'll school on them then in the middle of the roping um, but I think I think a guy can get kind of over schooling them before you rope on them, and then they feel good when you rope on them. But then, and then if you, but if you don't do that, then they don't feel good. Right. And and ideally, I want to be able to lope ten circles on my horse and cinch it up and 
lip two more and back in the box and go rope on it and not have to school on it is is the end goal yeah because that's what the publics you, you, want that's what everyone wants to do oh right? yeah you've been to enough rodeos you go to rodeos you might be warming up in the parking lot yeah you know and so you don't want to be having to go trot circles and bend them and pull them around and kick their hip loose and do all this stuff in this hard parking lot you know yeah you want to just be able to kind of get them get them loose enough and warmed up and then go rope right um and then uh and then also just the little things with the ropes heading, uh, hanging on my headers box there and and uh, just being able to rope a steer and, and not go to the catch pen, I'll just come right back to the headers box. And, uh, and the time that I would have spent walking to the catch pen and get my rope, coming back to the headers box, I'll spend just sitting in the, in the box. Yeah. You know, get right in the box, put my reins on their neck and just sit there, swing my rope, talk to whoever's just, there, just, just let them let 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 the breathe. Yeah. Let them breathe. So many people get in the box and get them in the corner and... And they're holding his breath just like the horse is, and they just hem him up and go, you know, and not just sitting there and just let him just breathe and relax, right. you know. That's, that's an important place to, it's a pretty unnatural place for a horse to expect him to stand perfectly still in a box like that, let a cow out, and then run as hard as they can to a cow, and then, and then back back in there and do it again. Yeah. And so I think it's a, it's a dark, definitely an underrated spot to just sit. So as much as a guy can sit in the box, it's the better. Right. So a lot of this, you know, is, I think this is what's so unique, is you're riding maybe 30 head a day, or getting through 30 head of horses a day, yeah. five days a week. Yeah. And that's, it's very uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that's what's really unique to see. And then on top of it, as, as you do it, everything's got a purpose. And the, the horses that are starting to come out of here is, it's been pretty special to watch too, because, you know, like, yeah. With your background and kind of the, the cow horse and like showing, it seems like well, you've got a lot of feel for how, how to control. And so as the fraternities have progressed, you know, you've been really yeah. successful there too. So, you know, going, going to that, like, what do you think, you know, as you put these four-year-olds and um, these horses together, what are you kind of looking for um, to say, hey, they're ready to go, or maybe they're not ready to go as, as you get them from that? Because also one thing like, we cover in some video shoots too, so everyone knows. Uh, you know, you'll be riding your three-year-olds and we'll kind of show how you work them and, mm -hmm. and get them ready as three-year-olds, and then we go video, you know, video your four-year-olds. You can kind of see, but yeah. you know, like mentally, what these horses where they're at, what kind of determines that that feel for they're ready to start showing? Uh, there's probably a lot of factors into it. Um, mainly, they're just getting solider, able to handle the pressure. Um, the futurity setups are pretty, pretty tough. There's a pretty good score. They always got fresher, smaller cattle that can run. Um, and so they got to be able to run. I mean, they got to have the basics of a, of a rope horse as far as, yeah. you know, a lot of run, being athletic and, and able to, to do all the maneuvers really good. Um, and then it just kind of factors in also just what they look like. Um, you know, the judges, judges are shallow. They want, they want to look at something pretty. Yeah. And so, uh, so definitely a horse that's, you know, kind of catches their eye and is flashy, and 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 then also does everything correct. That's 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 kind of find the key um, component at these maturities, you know. Right. Um, and so, kind of watching those horses. There's been, um, you know, plenty plenty of good horses um, that maybe we haven't shown um, that were really talented horses and really nice horses to rope on and stuff, but just maybe weren't weren't enough. Didn't have enough eye appeal. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean they're bad horses at all. By no means, they're they're going to be really nice, great rope horses, probably, um, jackpot horses, rodeo horses, 
right. but but just not for the shows, you know. So, so I think that's kind of an important distinction too, you know, that to a lot of people bring me horses to to show, and maybe some that they've trained and stuff, and and uh, the horses can be really nice, but just not not quite show show horses. Yeah. So on the show horses. What, what do you think, logo head horses and maybe heel horses, but yeah. what kind of the judges, like, what do you think they're looking for? And then what kind of, like, so when they, they talk about them being showy, what, yeah. what, what makes them work that way? Just like any horse, you go to a jackpot and you just see a horse and you're thinking, wow, look at that horse. Yeah. You know, I think it's that, that eye appeal, that presence that a horse has. When you, when you look at him, you're like, oh, wow, look at that horse. And then you're, you're locked on and you're watching it right. immediately. You know? Shiny, and good looking. Shiny, good looking. Um, and just kind of got a little it factor, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's definitely an intensity. Um, when you're back in the box and they're perked up and their ears forward and they're real intense on their job, they're doing everything correct, but they're real quick-footed and intense about it. Um, I think that's, that's a big key, too. Yep. You know, controlled, controlled intensity. Right. You know, um, and, that's, and I think that's a, that's a big key to it. Um, Cause you get ones that are just kind of just kind of lazy and just kind of real quiet and kind of almost just little, I don't know, blah. I guess. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes a guy, person might just be a little bit bored watching it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's definitely uh, something that you want something that catches people's eye and catches the judge's eye and and uh, give them something to watch. Is that a lot done? Do you think like through like you know as you release your hand in the box like it's very little helping them with your hand and then when you're yep. putting it on the horn like how they're how they kind of drag a leg and move through oh, definitely and th- yeah definitely like that, right? and that's all the little maneuvers that come into play as well um you know and and when you break it down into the as a futurities it's a guy's got to remember it's on points yep and so you got to check the boxes um you know it starts with a box and scoring and then run and rate set and handle pull and face and so you kind of you got to check each box. Horse walks in there real quiet on a loose rein, backs in the corner real quiet and stands there just flat-footed, plus one or two right there, right. you know, plus one at least. Now it backs in the box and stands perfectly square and up with its ears up and, and real intense, plus two maybe, maybe more, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, it's, he's, inten- he's, not, he's not over-intense and jumping around, but, I mean, he's intense on his job and got a lot of look and eye appeal. Okay. And so that's... So then that's a plus, and then that goes for every manure. And he leaves scores, leaves real flat and smooth off your hand. Doesn't doesn't come up, doesn't draw back, doesn't do anything. Just leaves real flat and smooth, you know, running rate. Um, and then as well, everybody's kind of got their own uh, moves in the corner, you know. It goes goes from kind of a big, big kind of slide like AQHA and getting out of there, or the get a hold and kind of roll forward more, you know. And and I think the in between's the the key. Um, you got a horse that you can run and, and lift up, and they'll kind of bridle up, and, and their hind end come up under them, and, and it looks like they're really dragging that left leg as they're kind of gathering that steer up across there. I think it's really, really pretty, and, yeah. and, that, and that's a big eye appeal right there, too, you know? Right. And then what, is, what about the, like that, the finish, you know, the pole and finish? What do you think that, like, what do you like it to look like? I personally... Um, there's a little bit of a cross between the AQHA because the AQHA is like stop and then turn or spin around yeah. on the front end, and and it's definitely not time efficient right. or or real kind of relevant to how we we rope now, you know. Um, and then versus the opposite of of really just kind of planting the front and then swinging 
swing the hind end around. And I think there's a really pretty cross between those um, that's somehow, sometimes kind of hard to time out, um, but where a horse can go across there and then kind of hit on its butt, not completely slide, but just kind of hit on its hind end and then swap around. Right. Where that horse really kind of elevates its front end, gets on its hind end, but then really breaks over in the middle and, and swaps around perfectly square and then stops. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think it's a, it's a time efficient, but also a kind of a pretty way to do it. Yeah, time efficient, so. pretty, and then on top of it, it keeps pulling the steer. Yeah, you, know? you don't lose yeah. control of the steer. And, and that's where it's, it's that little gray area right there where sometimes you'll kind of get a little slack rope if, they're, if, if there's a little, if a healer gives you a little bit of rope or something, there's a chance you might have a little bit of slack in your rope. Whereas if they plant their front end and swap around, you're probably more likely to definitely keep it a little bit tighter. But right, um, and so there's kind of a fine line right there. But I think there's a really pretty face right there that's time efficient, but also really, really looks nice. Okay. And then what about the heel horses? It's it's obviously probably the same in the box, right? Yep. And then um, like run and rate. What does that what does that look like for the heel horses if they judge on? And then uh, what, I guess what are the other aspects? Mainly just how they get around the reel. A lot of these. Uh, most of them have, all have healers barriers, mm -hmm. um, so you can't just go right with the steer. You got to see them a little bit, and so it's seeing them and then really getting down the arena and getting in position. Um, and like I said, they're usually kind of faster, stronger steers, and so it's really just getting around the arena and getting in a good position to to set up a heel shot. Um, and so many of the the pro rodeo guys are are getting into it now that it's getting really aggressive and faster, and so it's not so much about kind of keeping staying off of them and kind of kicking around there and, and getting a big stop it's it's kind of getting down the arena and and getting a little quicker stop and letting your horse work there kind of on the first couple hops right it's looking like open healing basically it, it right? feels like a, it feels like the bfi <laughs> yeah yeah so no definitely and and then as far as like the the running right down the arena and then the i think position around the corners the next box um and they usually, they, they'll set the judges up at different ends so they can kind of see a different view. Right. Um, but just not being too far inside, not being by, obviously, coming around on, the, on a good spot on their left hip. Um, not dropping in there, kind of staying elevated through the corner and then, and then stopping and how they take the jerk. Okay. Um, and so just as far as being just real square and, and not coming out of the ground when the jerk comes. And, and they don't really like it when you slide rope. Um, yeah. Kind of help. You can kind, kind of help of the heel horse kind of stay in the ground if you kind of slide six inches of rope or a foot of rope, you know, and, and they don't like that. They, they'd rather you just lock it off and show your horse just really Handle. bear down and take that jerk square and, and okay. not move, so. Um, okay, so the, you know, the next thing with this is like going to shows for you. What does that look like? How many horses you take into a show? <laughs> and, and then what's the management of that, that many horses look it's, like? It's getting intense now. It wasn't too bad the last couple of years, but with the Royal Crown now especially, they... Uh, they open it up how many horses you could show, and they have three different levels of age groups, uh, four-year-olds, five- and six-year-olds, and seven- and eight-year-olds. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's getting, it's getting crazy now. I think our Arizona trip, I think we took 17 head horses, I believe. 17 head horses. 17 head of oh, horses. Oh, head of horses. Head of horses, like, yeah. yeah okay, we were 17 head. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, we were, so we were split, and that was a couple of head of horses included in that. So, um, so yeah, it's... It's getting to where we gotta have a couple rigs and yeah. and drivers and, and a lot of help. That shows as well. So 
Well, what's that kind of like as far as, you know, as you kind of prepare for these shows and, you you know, keeping horses together? Because that's, yep. that's the thing is it's the setups, I would I would argue, like, especially for the head horses, is it's borderline too much. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. the ones I've seen, like, the scores, are, it's all you want for any head horse, let right. alone <laughs> a young head horse, right? Yes. So how do you try to manage that at, at shows, like, keeping horses together and, and kind of... It, having them prepared before that too as well to to handle something with that much pressure i think that's the key is just all the preparation beforehand um maybe haul them around as much as i can yeah um excuse me through beforehand haul them to different arenas haul them if we can haul them to there's some decent low low entry fee jackpots around here so i'll haul them to some jackpots that are kind of get them get them exposed a little bit you know in places that aren't that aren't too expensive right. um you know, and I think that's key. Um, and I think it's making, riding your horses in a way where they, they'll work for you. Um, like yesterday when we were out here roping, um, I usually don't run as many as I do on those horses, the heel horses, the head horses. Um, and I felt like overall, they all got better as I roped. Yeah. They didn't get worse. And even the heel horses, I didn't, I don't score a lot. Um, I don't, I don't have a tendency to score too many. Most of the time when I score, it's because I didn't want to run that cow for a particular reason. Um, and so I, uh, but that the horse comes for you, steps up to the plate and comes for you. And I think, and I think that's done at home, you know, getting them confident in you and, and the run and what you're asking them to do to where they're not, they're not dreading it and trying to find a way out. Right. They're, they're, they're being accepting and and stepping up the plate for you. Um, and I think that comes through and in, in really like having them get better throughout the runs. Yeah. Every day. Not not get worse. You know, end in a, as long as you end in a good place every day and leave them in a good mind frame where where they're ready to come to work the next day. Um, even if they're not perfect, they're never gonna be perfect. We're not perfect, but they're ready. They're in a good mind frame when you're done. To go to the next place that sets them up to where when you go to an event like that they come through for you you know and you you can count on them more then right um and they're not trying to they're not trying to mess you up in any way or get short or get tight or get strong you know um do you think that like in the practice a lot of that's obviously with the training right but trying to find the the spot of almost getting off them early as opposed to late. Like, you know, for Definitely. example, like if you're going to be closer to four or five steers, um, getting off of them as opposed to nine or 10 steers and they're yep. really like breathing hard. If you find like that's kind of the deal is getting off of them almost early consistently. So they're, they're never like getting overwhelmed with the job, but oh, yeah. they kind of enjoy it or. How yes. No, definitely. Cause I've definitely built my program on that of only running five on them a day, five on them. A and day. that's, and that's what I want. I want to set everything up as best as I can with partners, whoever's roping with me, whether it be a header or a healer, that, that I can make five runs, and that's my goal. I wanna make five runs and really get something accomplished in, in those five runs where they can be done. Yeah. And especially when you're roping four or five days in a row on them, if you run more than that every day, they're gonna get body sore, they're gonna get tired, they're gonna get where they don't like it. Yeah. So if you run four or five or six on them every day, and really get them to where you're, they're accomplishing something through that in those four or five runs. And say you have a bad day and you want to make some more runs on them, um, then they'll, 
that's okay too. You can make more runs on them as long as you get something accomplished and you end better than you started and they come through for you and they ended in a good mind frame. Right. So. Do you think like losing their air is one of the biggest issues with when it, start, it kind of starts falling apart on horses when they're like oh, they're yeah. having a hard time mm -hmm. breathing like i was thinking about like when when someone's like working out or whatever but if they're like getting oh, yeah. to the spot where they're out of air and they're still trying to do the exercises they, oh, yeah. the the moves become kind of compromised right yeah and i think that that's when horses really start dreading it because oh yeah it's one of those things you can use it to your advantage and you can use it to your disadvantage yeah you know if you you have a horse that's being real difficult and hot in the box or or not want to rate you can use that to your advantage of getting them, get them a little winded, get them where they're, they're thinking, they're maybe thinking about conserving their energy a little bit more than trying to get it out. Right. But then it goes the other way if your horse is working good, but you just keep running and running and running and they get winded and out of air and pretty soon they're not wanting to do it anymore. And then you're just trying to just keep it going and they're tired and winded. And then, yeah, they're going to develop bad habits and try to get away from it instead of trying to help you. Yeah, definitely. Well, and two, the other thing I, I noticed yesterday with, with your riding is, like for example, on the head horses, my wife pointed this out, but it was like, you spent as much or more time after the run, maybe working on something, yep. than as, as opposed to just the run. So it's like, yep. you make a run, kind of correct things. Is that, is that kind of seems like with the, that many steers, like, hey, I can only pick out a couple of things each time? Or how does that yep. kind of... Yeah, and, it's, and like I said, it's making every steer count. And, and everybody's got a different program, and I've seen horses made every, every yeah. way. I've seen horses that you can't lope around in the arena, but you can go make five really good runs on it. I don't know how to do that, personally. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that. I might have a couple of those. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And so, and so I have to have a horse doing the maneuvers without the steer and then bring that to the, to the steer. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the little stuff I do after a run moving their hip or maybe even loping them down the ring a little faster and then picking up their picking up their face and making them kind of bridle up and then gather up and collect and come back to me and do that a few times because maybe he didn't do that in the run. I run up to a steering headed and, and he kind of come up and got a little forward and strung out and swap leads in the hind end and didn't come together. Right. And so once I got away from the run and not attached that steer, I can fix that easier by setting that up in the arena, running him down there straight, picking him up, making him gather up come together with his body, move off my right leg, do whatever I need to do, you know, outside that run. And then, and then they'll kind of relate that to the next run. Yeah. You know, and it's a good way too on a young horse that you're at a roping or something and he makes a little mistake somewhere and it might be not his fault, steer, whatever situation, but you just do a little, you put that tool in him to correct that. So you, trot him up there and stop him or pick him up and move him off your right leg then he's like oh yes sorry I, I didn't do that right but I got it this time and then the next run he's thinking about that he does that better and and so you fixed you fix the next run you yeah. know and so you're really putting those tools into that horse at a young age so you can help correct things when you're other places and just like at maturities you can if they did something just a little Little not like you liked it on the first run, if you kind of just are able to kind of pull them around right before the next run, and then that'll better that next run. Right. I, and that, that's the other thing, too, is with all this, you can keep them pretty confident. Like, they're not, yep. 
the, it seems like if you're only working on a couple of things practicing, right, you can really do a, do a good job as far as each day they, they get one or two things, uh, yep. it seems like, to, to work on, right, and they stay confident, and then it's like, okay, yep. I'm not really being punished. I'm like, oh, here's how we do it. It's, yep. You're kind of working with them the whole time, right? Yeah, exactly, and it, and it starts when they're younger, you know. They're the three-year-olds that we were working with and all the little stuff we did with them, you know, it was kind of that little roan that, or bigger roan, he's not little, <laughs> that I was that I was breakawaying on on the calves. Um, he was running down the end of the arena and I'd rope and he'd kind of want to swap to the right lead and not stay in his lane and stay collected. And and when I'd kind of do the same thing I did on the horse, would do on a horse out here, kind of lope him up there and kind of pick him up and collecting him up straight, get him stood off my right leg, correct it, correct it. The next run, he did it again, corrected yeah. it, corrected it, went back, did it again, and he did it correct. And he stopped, stopped better, and so then I sat there and pet him and, and let him know he was doing the right thing. And, and I think that's important that I felt like he understood that, right. that next run. You know, he stopped, put his head down like, oh, okay, I did it. We did it. You didn't get after me, so I, I must have done it right that time. You know, he wasn't thinking about fighting me. He was thinking about trying to, he was just trying to find out what I was wanting out of him. Yeah. And I felt like he found it right there, so then he, he accepted it and... And then I let him take a little breather and pet him, and and then I went and did it again just to make kind of sure he had it. He had it, and he did. And then call it good and be done. Get off while we're winning. Yeah. You know. Finding those spots right there that you know, like, hey, this is going to be a lot what we're doing. Yep. Throughout your whole career, basically. Yeah. Heck yeah. And so this is, hey, this we're really putting the emphasis on the good stuff. On the good stuff, yeah. Right now, and like I said, we ended in a good spot. Call it good. You got something to build on the next day. Yeah. What about that, man? Is that, has that been pretty fun for you to, you know, we were talking about this. There's very few guys that can head and heal at the pro rodeos, and, you know, can basically compete at open levels, heading and healing, but you're riding three-year-olds and maybe two-year-olds. Like, you're riding, you know, 10 to 15 a, a morning, yeah. and then you're going to rope horses, and you're heading, healing, kind of doing all that. Is that Has that been pretty fun for you to do as far as, Oh yeah. you know, what, yeah. what kind of, what did you think about that? As far as that, was that just something that you kind of? It always just seemed like natural for you to have, or you yeah, know? I think I had definitely a lot more, a lot harder time when I when I left lessons and went more jackpots and and then kind of started getting into the rodeos a little bit and amateur rodeos and stuff. I think I had a I had a real hard time there for a while, um, not trying to expose the horse a little bit and rope for myself more and not helped the horse quite so much yeah I had a, it was a it was a hard learning curve there for quite a few years trying yeah. to figure that out you know and and I think that's what's helped a lot too and especially at the shows now or these fraternities is they're so tough so so tough on both ends yep and uh and so if a guy wants to be competitive you got to be going and and in the right mind frame and focused and uh and I think rodeos have definitely helped me a lot with that of you know in the moment this steer right now Make your run. Right. Don't make someone else's run. Don't make Trevor's run. Don't make Kayla's run. Make my run, you know. And make my run, and if it's good enough, we're going to win something. If it's not good enough, i got to go home and make my run better. Um, but making my run in the moment, you know. Not trying to be like someone else, but, but do the best I can on that run right now. And I think it's definitely a mental, a mental thing, you know. And everybody's different how they do it and stuff, but... But it's definitely, 
I'm definitely more of an average, don't take a chance of missing and run up, run up there and take two swings over him kind of a person, you know, and so it took a lot of, a lot of time for me to get out of my comfort zone and be okay with kind of hanging it out a little bit and, and confident in that. I wasn't confident in that, I guess. Yeah, start figuring out what, what you can do when you press and, and yep. keeping it where you can still ride your horse and yep, and, exactly. and, and how to do that and, and then how to trust your horse. How too. to trust, yeah. I, yeah, I was kind of riding, I was riding Colts and Jackpot and, and yeah, not not trusting my horse to to come through and yeah. and yeah, definitely that was a that was a long long learning curve. It took me a lot of years to work on that. Well you might make the argument that's probably the hardest thing for someone that trains horses for a living. Oh definitely. Uh, that holds them back when they, they want to <laughs> rope and yep. compete at a really high level. Is there yep. there are times where you might you might be in a spot where you kinda gotta just use your rope talent to, to yep. rope to heal one or head one or whatever and oh yeah. And you kinda gotta let your horse just hey, you know, yeah. here's here's one trust him to work, you know, that's yeah. a I, for a long time, I had a, I feel like I had a good program on starting horses and roping, getting them hauled a little bit, and uh, getting them real pattern and stuff. But I had a real hard time with the finish, the the finish of just being able to put your hand down, yeah, and go rope on it, and not help them here, not help them there, just go rope, right. you know, and trust them to do that. And I had a real hard time with that for a long time, and it took me, took me a long time to to get figure that out where I could have that trust to, to not micromanage what they're doing all the time. Yeah, learning how to just see what we got. See what we got, down. go rope on them, yeah. yeah. All right, what yep. about that, you know, obviously at the, the fraternities and the rope horse, you've, you've come back high call and the heading, and you've had, you've had some big, you mm -hmm. know, moments, right? So when you talk about dealing with one of those high-pressure situations where you're showing <laughs> a horse, right? Yeah. So you've you talked about going to your run. Well, what does that mean when you're in one of those, like, real high-pressure situations you know, mentally, what are you going to focus on uh, to, to yeah. kind of do to do your job? I think it's mostly just confidence from that you've developed at home and other places. Yeah. Um, I got a funny story that uh, it was, I think it was the last world show I went to, actually. I had a, a little bay mare that um, a gal over here, Shelly Franklin, owned. And uh, she was pretty green in the roping, but it was an exceptional mare. And um, Justin Wright, he was showing it in the cow horse. And so they got a, and we made it in the heading, the healing, and the cow horse, and the ranch riding, I think, um, and uh, to the world show. And I made the finals on it in the heading and the healing, and Justin made the finals on the cow horse. And so they have the super horse. It's three events or more right. back there. And so at least for, for the roping and for all that stuff where we were at, like she was a, I felt like a pretty big contender in that. Yeah. And uh, Justin went second in the world in the cow horse. I don't think we did any good in the ranch riding. And uh, and I think I, I won the prelims on it in the heading. Okay. And so, I mean, she's right, Greg. Yeah. And uh, this was probably like the most learning thing I've ever been through. But, and it started the day before in the practice. Uh, we probably don't even get in that, but I drew a really, probably too good of a steer. It was real medium, step to the left. Like I said, she was greener, and she didn't quite step over all the way. It kind of got, not completely in front of her, but kind of blocked me a little bit, and I kind of started to rein her over, and, and I thought I could rope it, and I split the horns bigger, bigger than heck. Right. And tried to kick up and fish it on, and, I, and it didn't work. And I was so let down from that. Yeah. And then, and then we ended up not doing any good in the healing, too. <laughs> and so completely dropped the ball, like, Probably worst 
Yeah. Only only high team or short round that I ever remember was that one. Right. And I was a six plus header then, and I had a rough couple of days after that. But then I decided that if I was a seven header, actually I was a straight six header then. I decided if I was a seven header, I wouldn't make that mistake. And so I came home and I had a couple nice head horses. And so I went to heading at the rodeos at all the jackpots. And it took me two years and I got to be a seven header. Right. And, uh, and so it's funny talking about the, the futurities coming back. I call them blueberry. That steer, little red steer, I was pretty late at the barrier. It yep. runs. It was a really good steer, though, thank God. <laughs> and it runs out there and fades left in front of me. And we're blowing up on it really, really hard. And I picked up, and, and he was a little greener head horse, too. I hadn't had him for three, four months. Yep. And, and I picked him up, and, and I, but I made sure I stepped all the way over where I could see him, where I could get a, get a good shot around him, because we were getting close to the back end, and, and got a good, good head loop on him and kept it on him, you know. And so that, that was a big moment for me, personally, as a, and it took two years to do it, three years actually by the time that, maybe more than that behind that, by the time that ended up happening. Right. Um, so I think it's just having a, having a goal and, and reaching it right there, you know, and, but the only way to do that is all the work beforehand. Well, and, and have it, I think it's really important to understand, like, putting yourself in a big situation, right? And yeah. then, obviously, we don't want to have letdowns. Yes. But you think about that, if you would have caught that steer or fished it on or something would have happened and, and maybe you still have been really successful, you might have been yeah. like, oh, we're, we're good yeah, enough, Yeah, we're right? fine. Yeah. And instead of something that kind of hurts really bad, right, and you don't want to let that happen again, it, it, it adds that, you know, that fuel to, to get better. And yep. it's probably one of those reasons why you were able to 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 be so disciplined to work at something like that, right? Is it, yeah. you, you had a loss that you don't ever want to experience yeah. again. Yeah. And then sure enough, you get to be in the same, yeah. almost right. same exact situation. And then you're able to, to come through to and pull through. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's probably one of the, the coolest ways to look at losing, right? Is yeah. it, it, it's a huge loss at the time, but it ends up being a huge win in the long yeah. run for your, for your whole career. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, it's the only high team where I'm, <laughs> I, I remember, yeah. you know, um, missing, I've missed plenty. I've missed plenty of high tiers and short rounds, but that's the only one that I really remember and had a big impact. Yeah. You know. So when, when that happens, it's just your run, right? It's like you yep. just you really try to do a good job at home at defining how you're going to ride your horses, what you do, and yep. then just making sure that you can focus on that when you get to competition, right? Yep, exactly. And then that also probably translates too, because if you can set up the practice, like if you're like going to go headed an open jackpot, yep, exactly. like this is what I, I like I, the run I'm going for on this horse, and so yep. as you get through the roping and deeper into it, and there's more oh, yeah. and more pressure on each run, and you get to the high call, it's like okay, this yeah. is what I do, this is the run here, and, and yep. you can kind of stay on that as opposed to oh exactly well and you can relate you've been in texas and going to all those rodeos back there and then logandale on the way here and then now you're going to go to red bluff yeah in clovis right and yeah. i mean there the box shoots right down the left wall there's acres over to the right yep. you know completely odd setups it's long scores both places are set up like that yeah and and mealy's at clovis you know so so a guy kind of comes from maybe texas and smaller places and Winter, yeah. rode, winter rodeos, you know, and, and gets here and has to like kind of reevaluate how how a guy's going to practice, you know. So you're prepared for there and confident when you go there. Oh, I think that's exactly right because you got you're going to pick out different. I'm, for me, I'm picking out different horses that I'm going <laughs> to ride, yep. and then you know you 
I think the biggest thing is experience, though. Like, that helps oh, yeah. the most. It's like yeah. getting to those rodeos and maybe messing up at them. You're like, yep. okay, that, that's, you know, the, the elements here were different <laughs> yep. and I wasn't ready for it. Yep. And, and I think that's like, that's probably the best thing that we can get out of competition is, you know, the, the experience and being able to self evaluate and, and oh, yeah. keep preparing for it because it's yeah, the same thing. And then and it's like going back to Texas in the smaller indoor arenas, you know, you know what the roads oh, yeah. are going to be a little bit different than when you get out here. And oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's. I think that makes it pretty fun when uh, yeah. you get to start understanding that that aspect. Of oh it. yeah. Well, man, just a couple more questions for before we wrap it up. But you know, when did was there a time like this is a, you do a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. When did you know like, hey, this is this is what I I love this. You know, this is at that. You know, when you said you took that year off and you you were already around some guys that were grinders, right? They they oh, were yeah. really hard. Yeah. You know, anyone that'll ride horses from seven, <laughs> yeah. you know. 10, yeah. 12, 14, 16 hours a day, six yeah. days a week. They're, they're tough guys. And oh, yeah. it's, it's hard on you. And yeah. you gotta, it, it's weird. You gotta have a great amount of discipline, especially when you're your own boss. Yeah. So, what do you think allowed for you to realize, hey, this is where I, this is what I wanna do and this is how I wanna work? Because, I mean, I, I was here two or three years ago and you were doing the same thing you are now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. you're gonna stay real consistent with that. So, yeah. how, how were you able to find that? Um, I think, I don't know, just starting, I think committing that this is what I want to do at such a young age and then seeing everybody else's programs and how they ran stuff and, and how they dealt with clients because that's a whole thing yeah. in itself too, um, but how they deal with clients and how they set up their programs and everybody's got something different and what works for them, you know, and, I, and so I think just seeing all that is stuff that I was able to kind of like, I like that, I don't like that try to bring that to my program, you know, right. um, and, and then just find out what works, works for us. What works for us doesn't, might not work for someone else, but it's, and cause I think I've been on training on my own for 16 years now, you know, so there's definitely some learning curves early yeah. on and, yeah. and, and stuff. So, uh, so I think, yeah, just finding out what works and what doesn't and, and developing program is really, really key. And that just takes time. Yeah, um, I think there's no substitute with time for that, you know, and experience and and stuff. So, and and you don't burn out. Do you ever feel like you get burnt out doing this? Or I think that was part of the reason that I set it up like this. Of you know, five days a week, and I have the weekend, and maybe I might go jackpot or go rodeos like we're doing right now this time of year, or maybe I'll go hang out and not do stuff. Go down something, to the you beach know, and, and eat some seafood. Yeah, or... yeah. Maybe go to go to Shakes over there, yeah. Phil's. <laughs> now we're talking. Um. Um. But also just setting up my program different where we ride outside on Mondays, you know. I say it's for the horse, but. It might be for you and It the might horse, be for right? me, you know. Yeah. Um, might be for me and my help too, you know. I mean, a guy gets in the arena and gets pounding your head against the wall and, and, and you get frustrated and stuff. And sometimes the best thing to do is go, go for a ride out there and go trot around the hills and do something else, you know. And it kind of helps a guy get in a little better mind frame too, you know. Um, but I think too, whether I can't really do anything else, I'm not really educated, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but just knowing this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do anything else. I wasn't going to do anything else. So just figuring it out, I was going to make it work no matter what, whatever I had to do to make it work, I was going to make it work. And putting, um, you, putting yourself in that situation is, is probably key at a young age, right? You yeah. Know, oh, I, definitely. Yeah. That, I mean, that'd probably be something that if, 
you'd recommend to younger people like oh, what, yeah. whatever it is you want to do yeah. like maybe try to do it as early as you can and be around yeah. people like you have because yeah then then you you can help yourself find like okay this is how this is kind of the roadmap to do it yeah or you might find that hey i i don't yeah. i don't love this right? well yeah and you and maybe you start out thinking you love it and and realize how much work it is and 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 you're kind of a little smoke and mirrors when you're working for other people too because you don't get the whole picture of of being on the phone with clients all day long and people calling you and and everybody kind of pulling at your strings a little bit you know yeah um and so you kind of miss all that stuff too um yes. when when you're working for someone so you get you get the riding part of it but you don't get all the the business part of it you know and so it's so that's a whole nother level of of learning learning too you know and thank god for my wife that she <laughs> she can take care of a lot of that stuff and all the bookkeeping and stuff because i was not very good at it well that's it's hard right? it is hard it's hard and, keeping up when horses come in and out and vets in and out and and supplements for these horses and that horses and and vet bills and and uh yeah this one had a week off and and we're gonna prorate that week and it's yeah it gets and she's kind of she's great about keeping keeping records of everything and keeping bills lined out and yeah that's there's a lot of aspects and i think that's that's understanding it understanding people and then you know and then trying to build yeah. it around so it does work like at you know get help where you need it make sure yep. you're at you know you're doing the things that you're really good at so yep. you're not doing the things that you're bad at you know yeah exactly yep and it's being honest with all the all the clients too i mean they they appreciate that you know and like i said i haven't I'm really getting more into now the, the rope horse fraternity and clients just for the rope horse fraternity. But in the past, it's been local people wanting jackpot horses or colt started or something like that. And, and uh, you know, being, being real upfront with them, if their horse ain't, isn't any good, it's hard to tell someone their horse isn't good and they should take it home or sell it or do something else with it because yeah. then I'm not going to have it in a training and be losing money. Um, but in the end, it's, they're going to appreciate it more and they're going to send you one later instead of waiting for three months and then not being happy with what they get, what they take home from here. Right. You, you know, know it's, it's a hard phone call when you tell somebody their horse sucks, but well, and, <laughs> but and, sometimes, and, it's, sometimes speak, it's necessary. Speaking the truth is a, a hard thing to do, oh, yeah. but long-term it seems like it works out really It comes well. down to the end, yeah. Sometimes right at first it's not, not real fun and not doesn't seem productive, but, but in the end I think everybody kind of appreciates honesty and yeah, what you, you really think that's what they're sending them for because they want you to do a good job on them and want your honest opinion right so yeah so i think that's something too if you're sitting horses to someone and you, you get that honest opinion you kind of got to be able to accept that too cause yeah that's hard too because i got plenty of people that are like oh no it's fine just keep riding it. So <laughs> yeah. at that point it's like all right we'll just keep riding to them i guess right keep paying me but um okay so you know when you talked about riding your horses out and kind of doing something different with them do you find that a lot of times when you, you kind of get out of the practice mode, like out of the arena, yep. you start coming up with like, oh, hey, maybe this horse needs this, or the ideas, and you kind of give yourself a little bit of time to think, and that, that helps you put game plans together? Is, oh, definitely, because, yeah, you get in the arena, and you just kind of, like I said, get, pound your head against a wall and just fighting it more than trying to work with it and think of other things kind of outside the box a little bit that might work. Right. Definitely, yeah, getting, getting away from it and kind of opening your... I, open your mind up a little bit and thinking outside the box definitely I, i've had this happen big. to me a few times as, as well i was asking um because i like if it's like something i want to work on with maybe a, my swing or my horses it i very rarely find it when i'm practicing mm. like i might be like picking a stall or just like doing something outside or maybe just <laughs> loping in a field and then i'll be like 
you know, what if I did this? Like, I kind of start getting those ideas, and oh, it's yeah. like, it feels like you more or less get away from it, and you kind of get some perspective, and yep. look at the whole situation, or like, you start yep. putting it together, and, yep. I, and I wondered if that, too, like, might not help as far as, you know, when you get you get in there, and the same for your horse, like, every single day, and kind of avoiding that burnout feeling for, for everyone, and but then you also, like, oh, maybe maybe these are some, some ways to kind of do that, too. Oh, for sure. And like we said, like kind of stepping back and seeing the big picture. Yeah. You know, we get everybody. We kind of get locked in on, on little things and what we're doing, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes kind of stepping back and, and seeing the big picture. Right. Kind of opens, changes everything for sure. So last question. You know, we started asking these. You know, a guy gets rodeoing and traveling and going going different places, but you know, as far as like a vehicle breaking down, or you know, when you're just Things go wrong when you're rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you got any good stories like that or one that really jumps out where it's just like, man, this is, <laughs> yeah. like, this really sucks, but uh, at the same a, time, it's pretty funny. Well, it wasn't funny, but <laughs> it was it was definitely scary. Um, and it was with Cody Hall. Okay. Um, we were headed to uh, Morongo, and they have an open rope down there, and I think it's San Dimas, maybe? I can't remember. L.A. rodeos. Okay. And we're leaving here. We're not 15 miles um, out of town here. And Cody's driving right past the Casa de Fruta. And luckily, it was on a straightaway. And it was a, I had an, it was a newer truck, too. And the belt slipped off. And he was going like 75. <laughs> and everything died. Mm. He had no steering. Like the steering, it was locked, it, and it, no brakes, yeah. no nothing. And luckily, we hit a straightaway, and he just kind of like somewhat got it turned to the side, and we were going like 75. And right. he finally, he reached down and grabbed the trailer brake and the actual deal and like slowed us down with the trailer brakes. And we barely made it off to the side of the road before the turn. Mm. And Cody, Cody will remember that one. That was, it wasn't funny. It was scary. <laughs> really scary. And it was like the worst situation ever. It was a good situation, I guess, because it hit us on the straightaway. Right. If we would have went past that straightaway, it's Pacheco Pass, windy up downhill, a huge lake on the other side <laughs> of it. Like, we were so lucky that it happened right there and not one mile further. One mile further and we would have been in a ditch somewhere or in a canyon. When all so. that when all that's happening, you're pa you're in the passenger seat, right? I was totally oblivious to what was going on. You didn't even know. No, he's like, ah, uh, uh. I was like, what do you, what do you, what's the matter? And he's like, he, he couldn't even, he didn't even talk. He's like, ah, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of looked over, and I mean, all the gauges just went to, to, it yeah. went the the heat gauge on the went like all the way red. Yeah. Because it because it quit the water pump, I guess. I right. think that the water pump had a drip or something in it. Um, and it dripped on the belt and it popped the belt off and it went like the heat went all the way to red and everything else just like quit and yeah he was just ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and finally he said something and then I don't know somebody said grab the trailer brakes or he just did it I can't remember and it all it all ended okay but it was pretty scary for the first second after I realized what was happening <laughs> and we were going like 70. <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of those when you're like man I, I don't have any control right here. And yeah I was like what am I going to do over here? Oh, I'm not going to jump out, but <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> uh, 
Well, Andy, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, kind of last thing, obviously you ride a lot of horses here. So, you know, if someone wanted to reach out to you, find you for your horse program, or what's that kind of look like as far as what do you do for, um, you know, you, you have a lot of clients and stuff like that. So you take outside horses or when you bring horses in training, like what's, what do you kind of try to do and, um, you know, and where would they reach you as well? Um, really just call me and, and talk to me and we'll figure something out. That's the, that's the biggest thing is, okay. yeah, I'm real open to really any types of horses and see if it fits our program and whoever, what their program is on them, you know, right. See if it works mutual. I mean, that's the biggest thing is works out for everybody. And, and usually when they come in, I'll do a, maybe a week or two week kind of just trial, see where we're at and kind of make a game plan with the owner, what the, what the plan is for the horse and time frame and, and kind of go from there. Right. Goals. And that's what's pretty cool with you too is it's it's pretty well rounded you know it's anything from like you know real young horses uh, two three year olds right to yep. if you in and you can put them in a program for a long time and, and show them if you want to go yep. down that route you know do with the fraternities oh, yeah. and stuff like that yep. um, or if you're just looking to to get like a, some nice roping horses things like that you you yep. could you could kind of take care of that oh as well, yeah right up until last year I had some like Andalusian stallions and Arabs and. <laughs> Uh, warm bloods. I had all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, well that's probably, everything. That's probably the deal around here is in this, it, the whole atmosphere in, in this area. It's not just team roping and, and yep. showing, right? So oh, yeah. to, to kind of make it all work, right? You've got yep. to deal with a lot, lot of different yep. type of horses to, to be successful or to, yep. to kind of pencil it all out. Yeah, right? and that's really what kind of kept me being able to eat from when I started was a lot of the just colts and of starting, you know, should I start so many Morgans? Really? Arabs? Oh, yeah. What's, that, what's it, that been like, kind of starting some easy. of those? Really? So easy. Um, all those, a lot of those other breeds like that, they don't, they can't buck. Okay. You know, they, they're darn sure not quarter horses and they don't move like quarters and stuff, but, but most of them don't buck. Yeah. And, and they're definitely a little, maybe different, but, and, and the people are, they're really happy if you can step on them and walk, trot, and lope each way. They are tickled pink, yeah. so it's so it's real simple. It's real. I don't want to say easy money, but but it's easier money, you know, than than expectations being that we're gotta go to the rope force maturity and win first, you yeah. know. Um, and which I haven't. I don't think I'm really taking those anymore. But but definitely going starting out like those were those were good money. Those type of horses, maybe not the most fun sometimes, <laughs> but 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 good money for sure. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, so yeah, um, we'll, and we'll definitely have your contact information here with this, Perfect. and uh, that way, so if someone does want to reach out and 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 kind of talk to you about maybe getting one in your program or working with you a little bit, they can do that as well. So. Perfect, definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.